You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to a special edition of MLB Extras. Let's listen in as A's manager Bob Melvin addresses the media from the winter meetings in Las Vegas. Yeah, I think you're seeing certainly some strides in that direction, and it's how you present what you want to present to the players. Uh, you know, as far as analytically, whether it's launch angles or, or whatever the fact, and um, you know, you have to have the right personality to be able to do that. You have to understand which players you can give a lot of information to, which players, you know, you get a little too. We 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 feel like our staff's pretty good at it. You know, Darren Bush and, and Scott Emerson do a good job with the pitchers and the and the position players. So I think at this point in time, we're we're happy with what we have right now. But uh, the more you see it, um, it, it's kind of a trend that you'll see more of. Right. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, some of the other organizations do it already, and I think they've had some success. And when you if you get some buy-in from you know, some of the premier players, you know, certainly in the case with, with Houston, when you get a Justin Verlander that buys into that, then it's going to be easy to sell it to some of the other guys. So I think it's just as much the personality uh, of the person that you're bringing in, but also the guys that you hook. Bob, you guys are in a little bit of an unusual situation coming off of playoff appearance and having so many goals, particularly in the rotation. Right. How do, you, how do you see things, you know, so many needs right. within the you know, the, the one thing that, that we don't talk a, a lot about is the fact that we're going to have a lot of guys coming back at some point. So I think part of our decision is, is holding down the fort until we get some of these injured pitchers back. And you're talking about a lot of them. I mean, even down to the Caprillions and Jeffries and guys like that that we feel like are going to have great careers with us. So you have to balance what you think is the need for now and, and what the need is. Uh, down the road as far as signing a guy to a multi-year. You know, we saw last year we had some issues with the rotation. We were able to f- identify some guys to, to hold down the fort and perform for us. Certainly the bullpen is is a strength for us and continues to be. So, yes, we'd, we, we want to bring in some starters, but I don't think we're in a, in a, in a hurry to go out and be like a market maker and, and have to, you know, dole out some, you know, three-year deals. Yeah, I could. You know, I think we're a little bit, you know, we're used to it, so to speak. And you're seeing other teams do it too, and I think you'll see more of it next year. So, um, yeah, I think depending on who we identify as guys that we need to get innings from, and then maybe if there's some vulnerability with some other guys, maybe that's the route we go as far as the opener. And, yeah, I think that that is here to stay. Um, David was mentioning yesterday that Truth is more of a Right. Yeah, you know, I hadn't even thought about that for him, but I think that we're we're past the point of trying to get, you know, six or seven innings out of him. I, I just don't think physically he's able to do it. So whether that's length in the middle of a game, whether that's a potential opener, where you know, wherever. But uh, we're, we're, you know, with the injuries that we've had from him, we don't we won't we don't want to have to, you know, count on him for, you know, starter type innings. Right. 
Right. Chris seems to be the kind of guy who that probably is, is okay with him to not be. Yeah, I mean, he'd like to have, obviously, he'd like to get something done. He, I think he wants to remain with us. He's been open about that. Um, but he is coming back, so there's still time to be able to get that done. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he, he, I think like anybody, there's some other, he sees the, the needs that we have to address right now, yet he's, he's always a priority for us. So there, there's a, or ongoing dialogue for him, but there's not the urgency of having to get it done for, say, spring training. Right. You know, I thought even in last year, or the year before, earlier in the season, he was on the verge of being ready. Um, the, the strikeouts, the you know, commanding the strike zone is, is going to be kind of tell the tale where he goes. But we'll never really know until he gets an opportunity and, and, is, and has an opportunity to potentially struggle and then stick with him and, and you know, get through it. I think that's when we'll see what Franklin Barreto has to offer us. Now, having said that, you know, Jed Lowry is still a bit of a priority for us. And, you know, if that's not Jed, then how do we, you know, go about the Franklin situation? Do we want to platoon with him? Do we want to give him the job? Is there, you know, he's athletic enough to play other positions too. So I think once we figure out where we're going with Jed, then I'll have a little better idea what, where, we, where the needs are with Frankie. I think he is. I, I mean, based on what I'm hearing from all our guys uh, in development, what we saw in spring training last year too, and we, we ran him out there against uh, a formidable lineup and, and did it on purpose, you know, and, and he's the type of kid that if you talk to him, what is he, 20? It doesn't seem like that. And when he's on the mound, there's, there's some presence to him that maybe you don't typically see from a younger guy. I was asked, you know, yesterday, uh, if there was a kind of a comp, uh, and I remember Felix Hernandez when I was with Seattle, um, you know, we were thinking about early on how quickly was he going to get to the big league level. And I think there's probably some similarities with, with Lazardo and the fact that he's awfully talented. Obviously, there's a need for us at this point, and I think the way we went about his season last year would, would suggest that, you know, we're going to bring him to spring training this year with an opportunity to start with us. Uh, it's changed significantly with analytics and, and the front office being, you know, uh, more in touch with lineups and the day-to-day -day operation that maybe a manager, you know, had control of in years past. You know, the front office has always been at the forefront of signing and, and putting together a roster, um, but now it's, it's you know, the day-to-day -day stuff. So, you know, that's just something that, you know, you have some smart people that are, you know, you have opinions from you're trying to make good decisions based on maybe more few a few more people involved now and I think that's a good thing um, and as far as the relation with the player I it, it really hasn't changed for me as a manager uh, I remember when I was a younger player and Sparky Anderson was my first big league manager I was scared to even go have a conversation with him so it, it's not that way now you know we're not only are we communicative as managers with 
the 25-man roster that we have, but it's also deep into our system. I'll go over to the minor league camp in spring training and, and watch some games over there, a few innings over there, and get to know those guys. So they're that much more comfortable once they get to, you know, with us in spring training. So it's changed pretty significantly as far as that goes. Um, I, I don't, I, I think it's my time, my day during the season is pretty, pretty much the same as it's been. There's a lot more information to digest and there's a few more people that, you know, you're, you're in contact with before a game or lineups or whatever. But as far as my preparation and what I do from a day to day basis, that really hasn't changed a whole lot. You know, it's tough. It's, it's tough to forecast. Each guy's a little bit different as far as coming back from those type of injuries. So, and, and I, I don't think, you know, when they come back, whether it's 12, 14 months, that you can expect them to be at their best. I think it's once you get through that next year and then you're into your next year that maybe the expectations are a little bit higher. But each guy's different. I mean, some guys come back throwing bullets right away. Other guys take a little bit more time. So we'll see with him. I know he's working really hard. I saw him the other day at our complex and you know he's he's been working diligently and he's looking forward to try to you know get himself ready to have uh, a good season this year you know it's i think the the fact that we had a good relationship before I was a manager here allowed us to to come together pretty quickly and it was you know, my first year was interim, so um, we're a little bit more at stake that year. You know, you got in a half a year, you have to kind of show the organization what you, what you can do, and I think our relationship helped as far as that went. But you know, our discussions and our day-to-day -day interactions have been pretty consistent. You know, obviously with David with an elevated role now too, the three of us always have conversations every day. Um, but, it, it, you know, once you're around somebody for a period of time, then you kind of know what they're thinking at times and, you know, what routes you're going to go. And so it's been pretty seamless here. It's been really easy for me to, to work with these guys. And the fact that I've been around for a little while means that we work pretty well together. Right. Right. And, you know, Loriano kind of came out of nowhere. We, we knew he had a you know, a talent level that was potentially after the injury he was going to get with us at some point, but to, to be as impactful as he was, was probably, that was probably a lot to expect. But you look around our, our infield, you know, in the years that all those guys had last year and all were in gold glove consideration, you know, including Jed last year. So, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with where we are on the infield. You know, obviously the Barreto-Lowry situation is still to be determined, but um, Stephen Piscotti, I mean, he's the guy that, that kind of goes under the radar. When I'm talking about guys, you know, Chapman and Olsen's easy to talk about, the strides Marcus has made, and, you know, it, but Stephen Piscotti ended up being a real mainstay for us last year. And, and, and not only was he out there every day, he had to go through a lot. Um, and then maybe probably ended up having the best season that he's, that he's had. So, you know, they, uh, when you look at our team last year, I, I don't know that anybody kind of embodied what we were about more than Stephen Piscotti, and the production would show that too. So 
he was a, a great, great acquisition for us. I don't speak enough about him. I get asked questions about a lot of other guys. Uh, not as much, I, I don't, I'm not allowed to talk about him as much as, as I'd like to. I'm, I'm glad you asked about him. Right. Right. Right, and and you know, going in, we knew we had we knew the two corner guys. We had a pretty good idea, but to be Gold Glovers in their first year, uh, it's it's remarkable. And then to see the, the the strides that Marcus made to be in consideration for a Gold Glove, Jed too, and his durability to be, you know, it, and you look at us a year or two years before that, we were not a good defensive team at all, and now I think we're one of the better best one of the better defensive teams in baseball. So it's. It's come together pretty quickly. Our coaching staff does a great job working with these guys. You know, Maddie's been terrific for these guys, and uh, and Al as well on the infield portion of it, and Rhino and Aldo at the outfield and everything. We we've gone from what is a, a poor defensive team to a very good one right now, and that that had a lot to do with the results we had last year. How much time did you spend watching Oklahoma football? I more than I expected to, yeah, and continue to. So we are pulling hard for them. I mean. You know, you're reading before the season started, is he going to be a starter, you know, or is he going to be the starter there? And next thing you know, he's a Heisman Trophy winner, and now is a chance to win a national championship. So we are big Oklahoma fans right now, for sure. It's kind of tough to watch him scramble around a little bit sometimes, but still, it's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what what he did. You know, we were the we were lucky enough to see him early in the season when he was on top of his game pitching wise. He almost threw a no hitter against us one day, when uh, early in the season. So he came as advertised. I was, you know, how do you do this? Both ends of it, and he did it pretty seamlessly. And you know, obviously, could have had the surgery done a little bit earlier, but wanted to you know stay with his team and and perform offensively. You know, we had a little bit more on him on the pitching end than we did on the offensive end. And we knew he, you know, looking at the stuff that he would be a, a premier performer. But offensively, I, I had no idea he was that good. And, and he is. So he's pretty unique in what he does. I mean, it maybe opens up, you know, some avenues from, some, for some other people to do it. But it's not that easy. And he made it look easy. Right. <laughs> we had trouble this year. I don't know. I mean, now that he knows the league a little bit more, and it seems like as the season went along, he got more and more confident. You know, power hitting the ball the other way. You know, that we had some ideas on how we thought we could get him out, and then the next time we saw him, you weren't getting him out that way anymore. So if I knew, I probably wouldn't tell you anyway. But he he's a star. There's no doubt about it. And Well, his numbers against lefties were lower last year, but every time I brought in a lefty for him, he got a hit. So he looks like he's he's taking care of that issue too. Right. Oh well, I think Jed was our guy last year uh, for us. And the most experienced guy, switch hitter, understands, 
mechanics, both sides, understands what he needs to do to be successful, but then also understands the new, you know, the analytics too. He understands launch angles and exit velocities and and was, an, you know, a nice kind of player coach for us well, with, with, you know, to help Bushy out with some of our younger guys too. So it's yet to be determined whether or not we're going to have him back, but I would say if you're picking a guy that was like that, it would, it would be Jed for us. Yeah, I don't think that's changed. The information's changed, but I don't think the leadership qualities from the guys you need and every team needs has changed. I think that's, that's pretty cons pretty consistent, and you know right away when you get guys who are the guys that are going to, you know, be a little bit more instrumental in the, along those lines. Um, it's just the the numbers and the analytics and, and some of the things that we're teaching have changed a little bit, but not the leadership part. Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, there's an easy way to combat that. Just hit the ball the other way. You know, and if you start hitting the ball the other way and getting hits that way, they're gonna, it's going to shift back around. I mean, baseball is a game of adjustments. So I, I, I'm not for that. We'll see where it goes. Right. Yeah, you never really know. I mean, younger when younger players perform, you see what happened with us last year. And I don't think anybody predicted us doing what we did last year. So, you know, you have to, you know, we're lucky enough to see our teams in spring and get a little, little bit of a handle on them before you start. But, man, it's, it's, there's so many younger players that are impactful now that it, it's tough to, you know, forecast and say this is what this team's going to do and what they're not going to do. You know, and, and it's different for us too now, you know, with, with Bannister not in Texas and Soch not in, in Anaheim, there are going to be a lot of, you know, changes and, and things that, that maybe we have to look at a little bit differently on teams. So, yeah, I don't count anybody out in our division. It, it can flip in a hurry. A little bit, yeah. There, there's probably something to that. You know, it's it's a little bit more of a lift to it, um, and guys are probably a little bit more understanding of. You know, when I played, I, I had no idea mechanically what I was doing compared to some of these guys now, and you have better instruction now too. But I think what you're seeing is pitching trying to combat that with more up and down than side to side. So, you know, guys that are launch angles. Or, or a little bit lower and trying to lift, you're seeing guys pitch at the top of the zone because it's tough for them to handle that. And or, you know, depth to a breaking ball. I think the cutter and the slider and the change up, and now you're seeing more high fastballs and curveballs off a high fastball to try to combat what the, the hitters are doing to get the edge. The solution for me is with two strikes, make an adjustment. And, you know, I, I, I think back in 2001, I was at the Diamondbacks. We won the World Series that year, and Luis Gonzalez was our best player. And he was up with a man on third and less than two outs in a World Series. And it was the first time he choked up all year to try to get that big hit. So it's understanding the situation. And a lot of times it's with two strikes. And once, you, you know, you're able to make some adjustments and, and do some things a little bit differently, then, then it's going to flip around again. So it, it, I, I remember succinctly when he said it was the first time 
I choked up all year because he understood the situation and what, what was at stake at that point in time. And here was a guy that was a home run hitter with, you know, a, a scoop to his swing and, you know, and this, this situation didn't call for that. And he was able to do it in a situation that was the biggest of in Arizona's history. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's terrific. I've had him in Arizona when I managed there. I've had him here. I've had him as a bench coach. I've had him as a third base coach. Um, he's one of the great instructors. He's a true instructor. I think if you're looking at where that team's going and maybe breaking it down, having some younger players there, that's right up his alley. And, and he really did a nice job in Arizona, I thought, especially the first year. So I'm pulling hard for him. Yeah. Yep. About the what? Well, I, you know, I, I pull for him. <laughs> Other than that, I mean, I don't know what's going on there. Probably more so just, just, you know, getting consistent at bats at the big league level. Now, um, we've seen at times him be really good about controlling the strike zone, and that's when he has a ton of success. And then it's at times when he struggles some um, that maybe he starts to try to expand a little bit more. And that's what I was talking about. You know, when's the time to let him get through a struggle and see how he is on the other side of that? So I think he has the ability to do it. He works really hard. He's one of the hardest working guys we had. He's got a ton of talent. He's got power. He's got speed. There's a lot for him to offer. He's just never been afforded the opportunity to struggle and come out of it. And, you know, most of his opportunities has been based on injuries, you know, to Jed or whomever when he's been here. I see him in batting practice. He loves running around out there. So, I mean, if, if we did look at potentially you know, moving a position for him, he'd be on board with just about anything to get in the lineup. And athletically, he's, I think he's, you know, I think he's good enough to do it. You know, I'd have to see a little bit more, but he's one of the great athletes that, you know, you're going to see. I mean, how many guys are able to do what he, you know, drafted in the first round and do a Heisman Trophy winner. There aren't many of those guys. So you know that athletically he can handle just about anything. And from what we saw the day he was with us in Oakland, he looked like he had an advanced approach at the plate. He wasn't trying to pull everything. He was hitting the ball the other way. He was showing some power. You know, he's a pretty level-headed kid, you know, for at a young age. So I think there's a very high ceiling for him. Yeah, I think that that's a lot of times it's the hardest uh, element to kind of forecast. You know, guys will have a really good year and then next year not. You know, maybe it's workload, maybe not. Um, you know, we feel like we have a pretty good bullpen coming from last year and, and should be intact again for this year. So, you know, I've been on teams where, you know, guys have had great years and then, you know, the leagues make an adjustment to them or whatever the next year. but. You know, you look at the personnel that we have, and we're, we're, we're really, we feel good about the guys that we brought in back. So, I mean, I think it's yet to be determined to see if our bullpen's as good as it was last year, but we feel good about it.
right. Right. Yeah, I think you're seeing more of it last year, but I think it start probably started with with Cleveland and you know in the postseason a couple years before that how they use their bullpen. Now it's it's a little more difficult to do during the regular season when you're playing every day. You know, in the postseason you have some days off, but you know you're seeing teams come up with creative ways to combat whatever their deficiencies are, and that's going to continue. So, you know, it's it's not like it's a a fad that's one or two year fad, you're going to see more and more of it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 